ride with me in my foul life. Podcast world, what's up? Thank you for listening to another episode of the Foul Life Podcast. We appreciate all of you supporting the Foul Life brands, the TV show, our apparel line, the foullife.com, and now the new Foul Life podcast, All Ducks, All Geese, All the Time. Our sister podcast, This Life Ain't for Everybody, continues to grow. Thank you so much. Please remember to tell a friend, subscribe, leave us a rating and review. Today's podcast and this episode of the foul life is brought to you by our friends at Lear toppers for all of your security needs when you're on the roads protect your gear from the elements mother nature hail rain snow lock it secure air conditioning heating the gun locker the Lear gun locker it's unbelievable everything Lear does they're innovative and they are the trailblazer in camper shells so for all of your needs as you travel America's back roads whether you're chasing that migration or whether you're a nine to fiver that gets to go on a little bit of a vacation check out Lear L-E-E-R and all of their toppers a great selection great customer service American made and we couldn't be more proud to be affiliated with them this episode of the Foul Life podcast is also brought to you by our friends at Benelli Shotguns. Simply the best. They are, I I can't even explain how awesome they are and how much better they are than any gun that I've shot or crew shot. When you want reliability, you want to trust in your equipment, you work hard all season, honing your skills, training your dog, practicing your calling, getting your boat tuned up, getting your UTVs and ATVs ready to go, decoys, you just practice tips and instruction. You want to be the best at what you do. And then those mallards or those geese present you with that shot, that opportunity. You want a gun that you can rely on to pull that trigger and have some success, some high five and some camaraderie, some memories. It's not all about that kill all the time, but when it does present itself, that's when we start putting that meat on the table, becoming a provider, getting that bounty ready for our friends and family. Benelli lets us do that. I'm telling you guys, the new Super Black Eagle 3, the M220 gauge, any of their guns in their entire line, whether you're upland, whether you're waterfowl, whether you're sporting clays, the 828, the 828 Sport, everything they do is first class simply the best and today's episode is brought to you last but not least by our guest today rob roberts custom gunworks out of the state of arkansas the duck capital of the world from his choke tubes to his coning to his coating, to everything that he does to spruce up the guns the pro shop guns that you find at benelli.com you can you can be rest assured that if your gun gets built out pimped out by rob roberts and his crew at rob roberts custom gunworks it's going to be accurate the tolerances, the constrictions are unbelievable. The patterning from his T1, T2, and T3 choke tube systems, we truly rely on them because we stress this. The combination of a Benelli Super Black Eagle 3 shooting 3-inch Black Cloud 2s or 3s, sometimes BBs, sometimes 4s, at ducks, at geese. Out of a Rob Roberts custom choke tube with a high-vis sight, we rely on that, and we have success day in and day out. And if you can't rely on your gear, what else do you have? So Rob Roberts is in the studio today. We couldn't be more proud to be affiliated and partnered with his company and his brand and his crew. Rob, how are you, buddy? Doing great. Thanks for having me here today. Yeah, buddy. You you live in Arkansas. You travel some. Do you like to travel? I do. I've got to where I really do. I'm getting old. I like to see new places. Yeah. Did you, were you born in Arkansas? No, I was not. Actually, uh, my family at the time lived in Nebraska and I was born in Iowa. And you can probably tell by my accent that I still have that Midwest accent really, really bad. (laughs) (laughs) I I was 10 months old when we come to 
when they so came pretty much here, you got an Arkansas accent. Yeah. I would have thought you were from Arkansas. No, I learned English here. So did you grow up just with an infatuation with firearms? I actually did. I actually grew up, uh, you know, I, w- I was the guy that come home from school. Uh, my dad really didn't hunt, but he loved guns. And they grew up, you know, up in that neighborhood in Iowa and Nebraska and stuff, shooting pheasants and whatever. But he wasn't a real big hunter. And so when uh, they come down, I don't know, something hit. I was out early age. They let me play with guns. I'd come home from school, go out and shoot things. Not necessarily by the book, but it was one of those things. And so just the passion for it, shooting, trying to get things, I've, I've just always, I've always loved them. All, all varieties, shotgun and rifle? Yes, yes. Rifles, uh, love rifles. Uh, shotguns are a thing. You know, everything uh, everything about the shotgun something we grew up with because it involves everything we do other than, you know, let's say long-range deer hunting or something. But, uh, yeah. So you're you're growing up in a family that is that is firearms. They 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 love their guns. So is this something that happens? I've I've been around a lot of brands that happen by accident almost. Uh, our bumper company that that we work with they they hit one of their cows on their farm. So the sun goes in and starts fabricating this bumper to protect their trucks. It turns in to a national brand. Um, other companies that I've talked to, they, they do it out of necessity, out of need. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, man, can you get me one of those? Hey, Rob, I saw what you did to that gun. Can you build my gun? Is that how it happened? Kind of, or how, well, tell me the bit, story a little bit. A little bit. We had some buddies way back when that, uh, you know, we we were at the, I'm old enough now that's when sporting clays and stuff really started. So when you went from squirrels to dove hunting to duck hunting to whatever, you there was a time you wanted to go grab a trap thrower, put it on the back of the truck, everybody standing around shooting, having fun, and then that escalated. Here we went to skeet, sporting clays. Trap in the south really was not a big thing, so it was always sporting clays and, and skeet. And, uh, yeah, it just went from there, and it's like, hey, we can make these guns better. We can do this. You know, we were learning tricks of the trade from some of the old-timers and then being around some of the world-class shooters. And, uh, you know, people would come in and go, look, I need my – I need, uh, for instance, I need a 15-inch length of pull with a 3 8 back pitch, blah, blah, blah. Well, we didn't even know what they were talking about way back when. But as you get around these professional shooters that are that good uh, – you start learning all kinds of tricks. And so we basically started taking what we were learning to make these guys that were world's champions all over shooting. We brought that into the duck turkey market. So we wanted these guns to pattern. We wanted the guns to fit. We started learning which chokes, how to pattern, where to go to make these guns as good on the uh, on the hunting side as the other side. So you know, if it works for them, it had to work for these guys. And so when we come in, you would take guys that, uh, you know, kind of like what you were saying earlier, you take a duck hunter. He's he's spending so much time trying to figure out where the ducks are. Is his equipment ready? Is his boat running? Is his dog trained? Is blah, blah, blah. Well, we're going to take the worry of the gun away from them. We want to take it out and go, you know what? We're going to pattern this gun. We're going to try this choke. You know, we did a little of that the other day at our shop when you were there. Um, we want to take this gun and get all the kinks out of it. You don't have to worry about your gun. At that point, throw it in the truck, get ready to go, get your dog, get your decoys, get everything that you need, go out, and then when you pull the trigger, you're spot on with it. Yeah, and I think that what you're talking about is kind of what I was trying to explain as far as the responsibility of a gun owner. You Obviously, safety is number one, but performance is right, is there because if your gun is not performing, if your gun is malfunctioning, that 
causes potential breakdowns in safety, responsibility, focus. If you're if you're concentrating on something that's going wrong all the time and you can't rely on that gun where you click the safety off and go to shoot and then click the safety back on, clear the action, all that. If you make it second nature, you know, take the guesswork out of it, that makes your ratio of mistakes go way down. The chances of you making a mistake are way down when you have a reliable firearm. And I'm not sitting here trying to say that when a Benelli comes off the factory floor, it's not a reliable shotgun because it is. So that's my question to you is why do you have it in your, your DNA or your psyche that you can actually make the, um, make a Benelli better, make a shotgun better when it comes off that factory floor. And I want to get into the nuts and bolts of that, Rob, of how do you actually, you know, persuade a customer that yes, we can make this gun better. So first of all, why, well, how is it in your psyche that you can make a Benelli better? What tells you that you can? Well, you know, first off, Benelli's built, it's built to last. It's, but we look at it and it's real simple. It's kind of like a ball glove. You know, when you first get a Benelli, because it is, you know, a lot of guns go out there and you're going to shoot a thousand, 2000 rounds through that gun. Well, it's time to get a new gun. You know, a Benelli, it's just breaking in. And that's, that's one of the things. So once we take the Benelli and we go out, uh, we're breaking in the ball glove for you. Um, you know, if it's going to jam, we tell people that all the time. If you got a Benelli and it's going to have any jam issues or whatever, it's usually when that gun is brand new. It's super tight. It's, it needs the wear and tear. And so what we do is by taking them out, patterning them, doing some of the stuff we do, like on the barrels to get the patterns, we also like to come in. You know, one thing we've done for years and years was polish parts, everything, make it slick. And that's just basically a break-in for you. You know, uh, a lot of guys will go out, shoot three or four or five cases of uh, boomer loads, you know, duck loads and stuff like that through it. Well, they're kind of breaking the gun in at that point. But uh, we try to make it so when you start off, like one of the performance shop guns or whatever, when you go out, that gun's working from the get-go. You, you're not running into, you know, add bullets and oil. That's it. So if you, in layman's terms, if you don't have somebody like Rob Roberts and your services take care of that gun out of the box, when can a guy be rest assured or a girl that buys a new Benelli that that gun's ready to roll? Is it is it five cases of shells? Is it a well, thousand rounds? There's is, no set on it, but no they do. They really need to go shoot the gun. Just wear it. Uh, it's not going to wear out on you. I mean, it, it takes... Uh, we actually seen a guy that was shooting clays... Um, I mean, he was a world's champion. He's got so many world's champions on the skeet, it was stupid. And he brought us one of the guns, and it had over a million rounds, you know, through it and still kicking. But it was, you know, it uh, – that is. That's just the quality of it built. It's built tight. You know, uh, I always compared them to, like, the old 1911 pistol. They were a little sloppy, but when you dropped it in a mud hole, you could pick it up and it'd still save your life. Same thing with the Benelli. I mean, you can drop it in the mud, drag it, beat it, and bang it. It's still, you know, it still kicks. So, uh, and being in the position that you are, is it is it kosher to have a favorite, or do you have to walk that line? Well, our deal is we we work on all brands. Uh, there's a lot of good brands out there. We try not to, you know, kick this one, kick that one out. We are partnered with Benelli, so you know we can brag on them all we want to. And it's and it's a good uh, it's a good company to be partnered with. You know, they you've dealt with them enough. They're they're great people. So would you say that you are an expert in shotguns at this time in your life, at this experience stage in your life? Is there anything that surprises you today? Well, I don't like to use that term expert, but we have seen tons of it. And what we see probably more than 
most, you know, there may be somebody out there that does it. I don't know who it would be, but we probably pattern more guns than anyone out there, at, you know, that I know of. And um, the seeing these guns work over and over and over and the shots and what you're doing, and that's why we're trying to perfect choke systems and stuff like that so that you're actually getting the patterns. Um, you know, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of good people out there working on guns and stuff, and I get it, and I'm, I'm not... I'm not trying to pick on them or or pick on a different brand of gun, so to speak. I just know that uh, that we're doing good with Benelli. I, I, I really like it. It's something I was shooting before we became their performance shop, and uh, uh, that gun just it's hard to beat. So let's go through some things that a guy, girl, customer would come to you and ask, and you would be like, "Well, that's an easy question to ask." Like, let's start with some basics, okay? What is inertia and how does it what is the difference between inertia and gas in layman's terms how do you tell somebody hey you're shooting an inertia gun this is what inertia is and this is how you want to execute with that gun well you see you know in today's world you see in a lot of the kids groups the high school groups and stuff bringing kids into trap which is fantastic it's bringing them into the shooting sports um you're taking kids that are young, 12, 13, girls that are, you know, small framed or anything. Actually, a lot of times the gas guns work great for them because it's less recoil. Inertia, inertia guns are going to have recoil because they have to have it to function. That's why they're so dependable on the other side, but you are going to get recoil off it. Um, the gas guns has taken some of that recoil out, and so a lot of the smaller kids, sometimes that works better for them, so we do we do work with them. That brings in different brands of guns that are. Um, and what we do the most of, such as yourself, is you're duck hunting. You're, you're duck goose. You're, you're out in the field. You're going there. The recoil is nothing to you. You know, you're, you're used to it. Uh, not that it's bad. It's just that you're going to have some with it. Um, you want the dependability. With the inertia comes the dependability. That's that's part of it, too. And so, um, you know, it's it's if you're in a situation where you're breaking targets, you don't want to flinch. Even if you was to blink your eye, that's a flinch. So if you're shooting thousands of rounds, let's say you're going to go on a practice field and you're shooting two to 500 rounds um in a competition world, you're going to shoot two to 500 rounds a day in practice, then you really kind of set forward to no recoil, the best recoil you can get away from, which would kind of put you into the gas gun line compared to coming into the inertia line. You know, that's the more dependability where we're at. We're not going to, you know, it'd be great if we could go out and shoot 500 rounds a day duck hunting. Uh, Is there a secret to, to, I know that you say inertia brings reliability, and I agree. Is there a secret on how to position your gun, hold your gun, squeeze your gun, grip your gun, shoulder your gun? Is there anything different that you have to do with inertia? No, not really. You do need it shouldered. Uh, it has to have something uh, to push against. You know, So like I said, if you've got a person that comes out there that's 110 pounds and you're trying to shoot a really light load through it, it's tough. You know, some of the inertia guns will have some hiccup. Uh, you know, it's just because it don't have any, it's got to have the force coming back to go forward. So it's almost like you don't need to squeeze it hard and muscle up with the gun. You need to stay relaxed, get your breathing down, but just put a little bit of that shoulder into it because when it presses back against your shoulder, that's how that that's how that entire inertia system activates the action to recycle and do all yeah, that. Yeah, if you got a hold of the gun, you got if you got it, 
sitting into where it needs to be on your shoulder and you got your head into it, uh, you're good. You know, you got a hold of it. You know what you're doing. If uh, what you'll see, and we've seen it on some where people will come in and say, you know, my my wife is having a real problem with her gun, or or this gal come in and say, I've got a real problem with. I, I bought this Benelli and it's not. Um, I'm having some jams. Uh, usually, where that comes from, it's a new gun. They're not getting hold of it. They're not really used to shooting a firearm to start with. They're they're just kind of breaking in. Their heads up and all around. It's not down on the action or down on the stock. Uh, they don't have a hold of it. And being a new gun, you know, one of the tricks we always tell them when they come in, and we kind of know that that's what we're dealing with. We'll say, okay, tighten your end cap. It's a new gun. Tighten your end cap. Back it off two or three clicks. On, on the end cap. And I go, Why? Well, it loosens it up just a little bit till you do get that gun broke in. So it's actually too tight, and that hurts your inertia system. So the more loose that gun becomes, the less you got to really get a hold of it. It's kind of the break-in part, and that's that's one of the services when we go in and we polish parts and stuff like that. That's what we do that for. We want that break-in, just a little bit of break-in before that customer gets it, because when when they get it, we want them to have no no malfunctions at all. And it's not a big thing. It's not something that we hear of. We don't have calls every day going, hey, my gun's jamming. Well, we don't hear that. You know, it's usually when they do, it's like, uh, I'm having a little problem with this. Is it new? Yeah, it's a brand new gun. That's that's where it comes. We usually help them out. Later on, they'll send them in and we'll do stuff to make them pattern better and, and things that we do. So without without giving away your industry secrets of how you accomplish a gun from A to Z, let's say that I come in, I got a Super Black Eagle 3 straight off the shelf, just bought it. I say you have 100% um, of my permission to do what it takes to, you know, to run it through the Rob Roberts treatment. I don't just want it worn in. I just don't want it coated. I don't just want the trigger light, whatever it is. What do you do with that gun? If I say, Rob, I want you to do your entire A to Z treatment on this gun. Well, we really like to know what you want first. We don't want to take okay, a I'm a duck hunter. I'm a duck hunter. I decoy ducks at 35 yards and I hunt every day of the season, not just the 60 day season in Arkansas, but I start in Canada in September gotcha. and I end in April after the depredation snow goose season. Gotcha. What we would do is, you know, I would push the Cerakote part on it just because that you're going to beat and bang that gun all the way through. Um, the other thing is we would come in and we would do the inside, uh, inside the barrel work, like doing the forcing cone work, finding the chokes at this patterns. If you, you know, Hey, I'm just like what you said, I'm going to be hunting everything from teal to snow geese. Uh, we're going to take it. Uh, we're going to do the forcing cones. We're going to, we're going to polish the parts. A lot of the stuff like our slammer buttons and cocking handles and stuff like that are a luxury. It's not something that you have to have, but it comes in handy. That slammer button, when you're in the middle of those snow geese and you're boom, 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 and you grabbing shells, and it's still giving you one or two more on the way out. So um, uh, at that point, that, but the main thing that we want to do is we want to get the gun to be reliable. We want to take it out. We want to find out what patterns are running through it, um, what it looks like, what shells it likes. Um, you know, we can tell you some guns, you know, may like twos compared to threes, compared to BBs, compared to whatever. And, uh, sometimes we might come in and just say, you know what? We shot your gun. It likes a T2 choke, period. Um, if you're shooting snows or, or specs or whatever, go to BBs. If you're shooting teal, go to fours. Uh, 
use this load and blah, 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 and just stay with the gun as it is. Some guns may come in and go, you know what? Um, if you're hunting timber, you better be using the T1 choke, skip over the T2 and go to the T3 when you're goose hunting. Um, we will find that out for you ahead of time. So once again, that takes a little bit of the worry off you. So when you get your gun back, you go, all right, you can look at it. Here's patterns. This is what's done. I got it. Uh, time to go hunting. You know, let's get the dog. Let's get everybody. Let's, you know, take that pressure off you. So you said the word forcing cones. To me, that's one of the most important things that you do on a shotgun. Um, Those tighter the boards, the more it shows up. You know, we've had guys, how many pellets will that, how many pellets am I going to get by doing that? There's no, you know, if we tell you X amount of pellets, we're lying to you. Um, Everyone's a little different. You're going to see if you take a, um, let's say, a 10-gauge, gun or like a Mossberg 835 let's say big board's got a 10 gauge barrel on a 12 gauge gun huge bore the forcing cones in it you can take it out you can go to the pattern board before and after and you'll see a little bit you know just a little bit because it is so big now you go down especially to a Benelli who has tight bores and you take the forcing cone out and you you, you run that same load and everything and wow you know you just jumped up like on a turkey load i I jumped up 60 70 pellets or something you know it it does make a difference the forcing cone to me uh, does two things it'll take some felt recoil off your shoulder and it takes distortion out of the pattern so even though i'm not even though we're in the pellet counting business i'm not into pellet counting i want to see a pattern i want to see a dense pattern in a um, perfect circle if you would um that if a duck is going to fly through it it, he's dead you know anytime he enters that kill zone he's dead you know we do that on turkeys uh you've seen our pattern machine we had a thing we called the true turkey factor that uh, we come up with years ago that basically showed a 15 inch circle even though you got your pellet counts that a lot of people want in a 10 inch 20 inch 30 inch circle we give it a um, a factor that we call it which was a 15 inch circle on turkeys that basically meant that if a turkey's out there and he sticks his head inside a 15-inch circle at 40 yards, he's dead. Whether he moves it around, he does the old snake thing, whatever, um, he's dead. Same thing on ducks. That duck circle to me is 20 to 24 inches. You know, I want a dense um, – you don't want to blow everything in half, but you want to hit it hard. You don't want cripples. You don't want – you know, and that's, that's what we want. We want it when you shoot it. Being a sportsman, I think you need to kill it hard. Uh, you know, a lot of people come in and they go, well, I use a factory this because I'm, I'm a sportsman. Well, you know, shooting a bird, wounding an animal, bird, anything, uh, to me, that's not being a sportsman. Ink balling it, you know, go out there and pick up the remains and cook. That's, that's where it's at. And so um, doing the forcing cone is probably one of the primary things that comes into play there. You know, we do other things such as porting and stuff, take recoil. Hold on one second before porting real quick, real quick. Ron. Okay. Before. What is a forcing cone? I understand the bore, and I understand the constrictions okay. on it, but what is a forcing cone? Are you changing them out when you say you offer this service, or what is it from the factory, and what are you doing to it? Well, actually, if you take the barrel off and you look from um, the receiver end of it, whether it be a stake or whatever, you look from the receiver end down, it'll look like an O-ring. It's what it appears in there. Um, what we do is we have special-built reamers, and I know you can get reamers at any store 
you know, brown ales, that type of thing. It's not the same thing as what we use. Uh, what we use is we use reamers at pilot and uh, the boards front, back, everything. And when they go down, basically we're cutting that O-ring out and tapering it into the bore of the gun. So when your shell, the forcing cone is located right past the chamber. So when uh, your shotgun shell opens, you know, when it jumps out of the shell, it goes right into the forcing cone, which basically all your European type guns still use it. In the old days, it was used so that uh, it would take cardboard wads, um, that type, paper and cardboard wads, and form it. Um, we don't use that stuff, you know, here. I mean, everything's plastic wads here. And so it's, it's not something that you got to have uh, in it to start with. You know, it used to people would argue that, but anymore they're finding that, you know, a lot of the American companies are trying to build their guns without them in there to start with. So that tells you something. Um, but what we do is we ream that out, and then we polish it into the bore. So when it does go, you've got a straight shot through your bore, allows your choke tube to take over. So it, um, to me, it's very important. It's a wind gate. Uh, it's taking that back pressure, which is your felt recoil, and it's taking the distortion out, which is bringing more pellets outside the circle back into the circle. So uh, it's a win-win situation on, on doing the forcing cone work on your shotgun. So 100% you tell a customer you that is a necessity. Got to do it. I, yeah. As far as the ultimate pattern goes, you have to do the performance of your ammo. Whatever that ammo might be, we choose Black Cloud and Federal Blue Box, but all Federal Premium stuff. Even though that is in a very technologically advanced with a lot of science and research behind it. The choke, I mean, the, the wad system, everything in Black Cloud is very well designed. You're saying that that forcing cone could could really depict or, you know, it, it, it could change that the way that that ammo performs if you don't take care of it. That's exactly right. And, you know, we've had people uh, always ask the question, can it change the point of impact? Um, the way we do it, no. Uh, if Joe Blow gets a hold of it, and he's found a reamer somewhere, and he decided to do it. Yes, you can. Um, we pilot them front and back, so it is completely whatever your point of impact is with that shotgun. Uh, when it comes to us, is what it's going to be when it leaves. You know, after doing it. Um, Wait a was, minute, you're saying that with a shotgun, even though hundreds of BBs are coming out of that muzzle, there's still a point of impact. Oh, yes, <laughs> very much so. Well, well, I understand a point of impact when you're shooting a rifle and you have one, you have one, you know, one projectile that's going down and it's hitting something. I understand where that hits, that's a point of impact. But how do you tell me there's a point of impact when there's hundreds of BBs hitting at the same time? It's where they're hitting. Point of impact on a shotgun is, I mean, quite frankly, horrible on most. And it has a lot to do with gun fit. Gun fit's probably one of the bigger things, but, but, you will see certain guns that have tendencies, um, whether it be Benelli, Beretta, Winchester, Browning, whoever the case may be. You can bring them in there. They all have tendencies. They might have a certain make, model, or whatever. Like, for instance, you pull this gun out of the box, and I guarantee you 95% of that particular model will shoot uh, low left, or it'll shoot uh, six inches left, or it'll be high right, you know, whatever. The, and, and we see it a ton. We saw it a lot with the Super Black Eagle Three. It was no secret. A lot of people were like, hey, no. my gun's shooting a little high, right? Yeah. Uh, that was, uh, that was. I mean, pick on them for a minute. That gun shot um, extremely high. One thing that we learned on doing that was changing the, the ring over the magazine. We, we actually would heat it up. like when a, we, we wouldn't even tell the customer. We'd just fix it. You know, it, it was one of those things we'd heat it up, move that ring down, which allowed you over your magazine, which allowed the barrel to come in, which in reality was pulling your barrel down. And so um, 
trying to help out all we can, and I think uh, I think they're getting hold of that issue. But it, it's not that's not a Benelli issue. That's like I said, it's all of them. All of them will have it. And when you talk about the point of impact, even though you do have, you know, two or three hundred pellets coming out of there at one time. Um, you kind of want them to be where you're looking. You know, a rifle is something that you're going to take out. You got a, you put a scope on a rifle, me, you, him, them, whoever is going to grab that gun and it's going to shoot, you know, point of aim, point of impact. With a shotgun, that's not necessarily the case. You know, uh, you might have this guy over here that's uh, 6'6 and weighs 160 pounds, so he's got a huge long length of pull. And then you've got a guy over here that's also 6'6, but he played football forever. He's 380 pounds and he's actually got a short length of pull, you give them that same gun, and he shoots, this guy shoots it way right, that guy shoots it way low, uh, up, down, everything. Gun fit is huge. Just because you look down the rib of that barrel does not mean it's going to shoot there. Uh, with a shotgun, getting back to that rifle thing, you put a, you put a scope on it or whatever, we, we all know that we're going to look through it. With a shotgun, you want both eyes on target. You shoot a shotgun with both eyes open, um, I know there's a lot of people that have left eye, right eye dominant problems, but uh, in general, you got both eyes open. You want this gun to come up and fit you. You want to look, if you got a clay target or if you got a duck passing through, you want both eyes on that target. So when you pull that gun up, you want that gun to shoot where you're looking. And so, you know, for example, Benelli gives you those shim kits to let you move your um, cast on, cast off, up, down to try to help with that situation. So you take it out. A lot of people want to take a shotgun out, put it on a bench, shoot it out of a vise. It's not a rifle. Don't do that. Shoot it off your shoulder how you're going to shoot it. Um, see where it's hitting. Uh, we always tell people to do a point of impact. Go out put a big sheet of paper, three to four foot. Put you uh, a bullseye the size of a skull can or something in the middle. Get three shells. It can be dove loads. Use a tighter choke, uh, T2 or tighter. Um, if you're factory, put a factory full in it. Um, go out 27 to 30 yards, pull on that target, shoot the bullseye. Both eyes armed. Don't don't sit and aim it. Shoot it standing off your shoulder. Boom. Shoot that same exact target three times. Not not rapid. Not boom boom boom. Boom. Pull off it. Boom. Pull off it. Boom. You'll walk down. You'll see where your point of impact is with that. So with that situation, if that gun. Um, shooting high, low, or whatever, uh, you know, Benelli and some others also will give you those shim kits that you can drop the stock to lower it, raise it, to, you know, to raise it, depending on where you're shooting. And hopefully you can get your point of impact, and that's that's another thing that you're going to see your kills, your targets, your scores, whatever it is, go, go skyrocketing higher because now the gun fits you. It's shooting where you're looking. You but know. you're saying that that point of impact can be manipulated or affected yes. by your length of pull. So just because you shoulder a shotgun at the store at your local gun shop and you look down that barrel and it fit in the rear, you like the rib and the way that you're looking down it. So you're saying that that length of pull on a rifle, you hear a lot about trigger pull and, and poundage. Mm -hmm. and, you, know, you know, some guys like a lighter one, some guys like a mid-range one. They just want to know when they're breathing out where that thing's going to touch off so there's no surprise. And you can manipulate that on a rifle. On a on a does the length of pull is the does it include trigger manipulation and poundage manipulation on a shotgun or explain length of pull to me? Uh, length of pull is, you know, I mean, the only thing that you're measuring off the trigger. As far as trigger pull, you got on a shotgun, you're going to be a heavier trigger than a rifle. You know, um, like a good rifle um, trigger pull poundage wise is two, two and a half pound for a hunting gun is great. You know, a lot of bench rest shooters going to shoot a whole lot lighter than that. On a shotgun, you don't want to go down that low. 
you keep a shotgun uh, three and a half pounds, three and a half to four pound range, and that's when we do trigger jobs. We try to keep them in that range there because you're going to slap your trigger, um, so to speak, more than squeezing the trigger on a shotgun. You know, it's boom, you kill that bird, jump on this, you know, that type of thing. So there's a little more slapping to it, you, and you don't want to take them down, especially with, uh, for example, a Benelli being inertia, you don't want to take the poundage down too much because you don't want to double fire, you know, because that boom, boom, you know, it'll cause you to, if it's if it's too light, it's going to cause you to pull the trigger twice whether you even know it or not. Um, but the length of pull, if, if a gun is actually a little bit too long for you, uh, it's it's okay if it's too short for you is where it really comes into play um your point of impact goes off plus you'll feel a whole lot more recoil if a gun's too short um uh, it's hard to do in this day and age this has nothing to do with barrel length this is the no. stock on your shoulder to where your arm reaches the trigger to the trigger that's to right the trigger right it's a it's huge effect and in today's world with everything synthetic it's tough you know um and like I said, we, we've been talking about Benelli on this. So Benelli does make two or three different thicknesses on recoil pads that you can pop in and pop off. That helps. You know, um, Woodstocks in the older days, you know, well, like I said, in the sporting clay, skeet, trap world, you're dealing more with Woodstocks where you can shave off and you can actually fit them with back pitch and everything else. Uh, you can't do that with these. So it's best to, when you do walk in, find that model that does fit you pretty close from the get-go and then manip- manipulate the up and down more than the length because it like i said with synthetic stocks they're hollowed out there ain't a whole lot you can do with them um so if that gun's way too short uh, keep looking you know find one that find one that does fit you and like i said with benelli you've got uh, three different length pads that'll snap in that that helps and i know there, there's another varieties of guns out there that do the same thing so now you got this customer and you're looking at me, you got my gun. Now you've already told me you're going to be able to go in with the for, the forcing cones. You're going to be able to develop a better pattern for the get-go without even talking about the choke tubes yet. Then you have your length of pull that you can consider that by, by whether it's the shim kit or doing what you guys do of getting that guy where he needs to be, that girl where she needs to be as far as her arm reaching to that trigger compartment for, with the gun on her shoulder or his shoulder. Now, you've mentioned Cerakote, which is a material that you apply to guns throughout the, you know, you can do some of it in Cerakote, you can do parts of it in Cerakote, but that's something that fights rust, it's rust, you know, it will not let your gun rust. That doesn't mean that you don't clean your gun. No. I want to get into this part of this is that Cerakote is going to keep your gun. You can, you know, it might drop it on the boat, bottom of the blind, always safe. Hopefully it's not loaded, but accidents do happen. You're going to bang it up against a tree once in a while, whatever it is, that Cerakote's going to give you longer life expectancy out of that gun and the, the aesthetics of the gun and the performance, obviously. But as far as anything that gets, you know, scratched or any of that, Cerakote's going to be the ticket to a longer life expectancy. That's Man, and I'm glad you said that because we have so many people that think that it's it's indestructible. Well, it's not. Um, you know, you'll see a guy, uh, and we've had a couple guys there, and we we went ahead and said, yeah, just fix him. You know, just just fix it up. But if you put that, let's say you throw your gun in a boat. I know you don't, but you know you've been with many that do, and they just throw it in there, and it rubs back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, metal on metal. Uh, yeah, it will eventually. You can go through it but um what the cerakote process does and and we've gotten 
I mean, we do thousands of them. And, and what happens is it is your way. It does take away. Hey, you hunt a lot of salt water. Uh, it takes that, uh, that rust away. Just, I mean, it's, it's very crucial to me, I, I think, uh, for your gun to last. It is going to, I mean, it'll give you another five, six years out of it anyway. Cerakote's uh, not just dipping, though. It's more of a cooking element, right? No, yeah, we do dipping also, um, and it does. It, it's going to prolong life also, but uh, the, the Cerakote part of it is going to be a tougher resistance to it. Um, what it uh, It's a baked-on, it's a two-part epoxy type. It's a ceramic-type paint. Um, best way to say it, it's basically a, a two-part paint that you'll take, and then you put it in the oven, and it's baked-on. So... Um, it's solid. It, I mean, it, it's it's really, really. We've tried other type products, and that that one really, really holds up great. So that's an actual invention that a company or a brand or that the actual process is coating That is, do you have to become a licensed uh, applicator to, to? Yeah, that's that's one of it. And then you can get a little. Uh, you know, we get a little creative with it at times. I mean, you can do different colors. Get a little yeah. art artistically you know something that i'm not um, (laughs) flags and stuff like that you can do that uh most of the time we deal with guys that are either going to be there are in the hunting world so they want their gun to actually be some sort of two-tone some kind of something that's going to blend in plus they want the life out of it they want they want to add to it so they don't have to clean it you mentioned clean it um you know you don't have to do a deep clean all the time unless you dump it off in the water somewhere but uh, in reality, uh, they like oil. You know, it never hurts to, you, you know, we use a product like G96, okay? That's just a gun oil. That's, it, it, or, you know, I mean, there's so many different gun oils out there. Um, uh, spray them down. <laughs> Wipe them off. Uh, that's about it. You know, you don't have to go to extensive cleaning. So when you say spray them down and wipe them off with a G96 or some kind of lube or oil, does that include a Benelli? Yes. Does you open the action and spray inside the action? Yes. Uh, Benelli's like uh, to be wet. You know, a lot of times you'll hear people say, well, I like to shoot them dry. And I've, I've actually heard that come from some of the people at Benelli. But we we don't find that to work. If, if it dries out, it'll start uh, having hiccups. If you're in Argentina and you're in real dry climate and you're really going through it, I mean, we've taken them and just try to see how nasty – and, and what they'll last, they'll start hiccuping when they get dried out. You can take uh, whatever oil you got, especially when you're in a different country like that, and you know you just, uh, oil's not easy to find. <laughs> it might be whatever, but put put oil on it, that's going to go back to working. So yeah. with your expertise right now, you hand me the best there is for a Benelli. Is it the stuff that, is it the oil that comes with the Benelli? Is it, a, what do you hand me? Um what, what my favorite oil is? Yeah, just if, for a Benelli. If I am shooting an inertia-based Benelli, what do I what do I spray it down with after my hunt? Basically anything that don't uh, have aroma to it. You know, if you spray and it smells like potpourri, that's usually not good. We've seen some of those oils that come with guns, you know, in the case. Uh, I'm not speaking of Benelli oil, but we have had guns, and, and it's like overnight they sat in a room and got rusty. What You know, just a, what happened? And it was uh, actually some of the oil because it's the floral smell or whatever. Uh, any of your oil's good. You know, I mean, I've been to Argentina, and the best you could find was some of the old three-in-one oil. Um, never, under any circumstance, rub mud in it before you put something like WD-40 in it because it will crystallize. It, it will, you know, there's, I was raised 
my spring WD-40 on it. You know, because like I said, my dad wasn't a big hunter, but he loved guns. He played with guns, go in there and clean it. And um, as I got older, got out of high school, went into really getting more serious and more serious on guns, I found out that the choke tubes would not come out of the guns. This wouldn't come out of here. That wouldn't come out of here. And it's actually because that would crystallize in it. So you definitely want to use something with some kind of Teflon in it or, you so know. G96. G96 break, is a good. Break free. All that's, yeah, that's good stuff. All that will work. That that oil that comes in the Benelli box or whatever, that, that, that'll that work. Um, G96 was something that I just used a long time ago. Um, what I liked about it, it would take surface rust off. And so what my main thing is, if I'm, a, you know, if we're out there and we're at a, we're in, I don't care if we were in Argentina, I would probably every day because you know, you're in the dust, open it up, spray some lube in the action, work the action a few times and wipe off whatever's dripping out of it and leave the rest there. That's, that's how you handle a Benelli. Um, you don't baby it, you know, wow. just actually use it. And that's why it's, that's fantastic. But, uh, that's, that's what we do. So how often do you, if you're hunting the way you do, you're pretty hard on your guns and you shoot a lot of rounds, how often are you popping the rivets and, and pulling out the action and, and, and cleaning that part of it and spraying it down with an air hose and all of that? If, it, if I get it in the water, if I drop it off, it's been raining, or I know that I'm, you know, you're on a dove hunt or something like that, and it's really, really dusty, um, I'll spray it off when, when I'm done hunting. You know, it's like I've hunted, you know, um, for instance, if I take off and go to Canada and up there four or five days, whatever the case may be, when I come back, I'm probably going to take it off because it's so easy. You know, Such it, an easy process. It's just, yeah, there's nothing to it. Spray it off, spray it out with something like, you know, they tell you not to, but I'll I'll pop it out, spray it out with gun scrubber, get all that crap out of it, spray it down with, with the gun lube, wipe it down, and you're ready to go. That's it. That's There's nothing to it. Um, it's It's just too easy. Would you tell somebody that if they go out on a duck hunt and they're around water, moisture, dew, whatever it is, you get back to the boat, you case your gun, you get it back to the lodge, do you 100% have to take your gun out of that case? Is that the best best idea? Yeah, and I let would. it air out overnight? I would. And I'll tell you, there's there's other guns out there. Benelli's not one of them. Um, but there's a few there's a few people out there that are shooting some of these new chokes that's come out and um, – I'll, I'll pick on Browning here a minute, just a little bit. Not not bad, but uh, the Browning with that new Invector DS system they got in it, the way that choke tube's designed and the way it, it comes in. One thing you ought to do with all of them is when you get back, uh, take your choke tube out, or every so often. You don't have to do it after every hunt, but uh, I've been hunting for two weeks. Let me take my choke tube out and uh, wipe it down, put it back in. Don't you ain't gonna spray anything on nothing. What you'll find over the over the course of time, you will start. Even though um, you don't see it so much with somebody like us, and a lot of the companies will build their choke tubes out of seventeen four pH stainless, heat treated, and all that. It's it's not gonna happen. But it's always good to check. But with a factory style choke, and in some of those that uh, that Invector DS system uh, has a ring at the bottom of it, it holds water. Um, what is great is for us is that you don't take care of your gun, so your choke tube is now stuck. It ain't coming out of that gun. Um, you have to either buy a new barrel for six, seven, eight hundred dollars, or you send it to us, and we have to cut it out and rethread it for you, which we can without having to cut the barrel off. We've we've got a way of actually going in and taking the choke tube out and retapping it at the same barrel length, save you that six, seven hundred dollars. Um, 
You can do that. We can do that. That's serious. But, but um, the thing I'm saying is if you'll take every so often, if you'll check your choke, pull it out, just wipe it off. I don't care if it's on your pant leg and stick it back in. Um, that'll save you from having to call us and go, hey, I need this choke cut out. Every once in a while, just pull it yes, out. Yes, yeah. Oil the threads. And what happens is you're shooting a lot of steel, so you're, you know, that stuff don't move around, and this shot's getting harder and harder, the new TSS and all that kind of stuff. It's getting harder and harder, um, which is great. Uh, the shells are getting better. But check your choke every once in a while. Just it, It's kind of like we were talking about the Cerakote part of it. It's not indestructible. No. Uh, if it comes loose, you can blow it up. If it if you get a wad hung in it, shoot the next one, uh, you're going to tear it up. Um, that's another thing we see. Uh, I think we talked about that a little bit once before was taking care of some of your ammo because you do see some of these barrels get bulges in them. You see barrels or choke tubes get split. Um it is going to happen. It can happen. It's not going to happen to everybody. People that take care of their stuff, it don't. But uh, usually it's the ammo issue, not because the ammo is bad. It's because the person didn't take care of their ammo. Uh, you leave it out in the boat. You let it get wet. You set it out there, and um, it's in the back of the truck all season long. It's got snow on it. It's got ice on it. Um, what happens, especially shooting these automatics, and uh, you go out and boom, boom, well, the first one actually blooped, and you didn't know it. The second one comes through. That wad's hung. You've bulged it. It blew out the end of the barrel, and most of those guys are going to turn around and say, oh, somebody else is to blame always. You know, well, it's the barrel manufacturer. It's the shell guy. It's the choke guy. It's it's somebody else. Other than, no, it's you. Get your shells. Bring your shells in with you at night. Whatever bag you're going to hunt with in the morning, it's got your ammo. Bring it inside with you. It ain't a big deal. Just grab it in the morning when you go out. Uh, if you grab a thermos, you know, Put your shells back. Uh, what, what if you drop a shell in, in in a little bit of water, but you grab it and load it right into your uh, gun? That's what I do. Is it okay? Yeah, yeah, just shoot it out. Most of uh, most of the stuff today is waterproof. So you bring up the to, choke to tube now as part of cleaning the gun and make you know take it out every once in a while. And this is the part that's most fascinating or most um, impressive to me about your service and your company and what you guys do with your crew is the patterning part of this. So. You don't necessarily have to physically be on your property or on your compound to get this service done, meaning length of pull, understanding your your dominant eye and making sure you're shooting both eyes open and making sure that you understand point of contact. Po- point of impact and everything that goes into the patterning process at the beginning of it. Do you get all of these vitals from the gun owner before you start this process, their height, their, do they have to give you their arm length? How do you know where, where to start when it comes to patterning to you start don't. this conversation? You don't. Usually what we do is we don't go into that because it, it's just too, you'd have to have that guy there. Or, or girl or whoever it is, you'd have to have them right there with you, and, and you can't. You try to if if a person's having problems when they call in, and I'm having a problem with a point of impact, it, then we kind of start asking questions um, about that. Um, what we do on our patterning thing is just okay. Or you know, because we don't know you, we don't know anything about how whatever it is, but we do know that gun. We're going to take that gun and get this gun to shoot in the the best it'll shoot. Um, no, I wish there was a way we could go into the other, but there's really not because everybody's completely different. So where do you start then? When it, I want to go over the patterning portion of this service. Okay. There, there, you, you, let's say I want to stick with Benelli. The forcing cone is the first thing. 
Yeah, well, for for example, if we're going to start doing the patterning stuff and, and Chad calls and says, hey, look, I shoot for federal, I do this, I do that, this is what I want, I'm going to be shooting timber, I'm going to be shooting uh, snow geese. Those are the two things, let's say that's what you're doing. And so that's what we do. We look at it at two different ways. Okay, we know what brand you're going to shoot. Um, you know, a lot of guys will just say, hey, give me what's the best. So at that point, we're going to try all different brands of shells. We're going to, we're going to cut through. We know what, you know, if we know that this gun particularly likes, um, twos and threes, then that's what we're going to shoot out of it. You know, to start with, we're going to find a starting point and then we will deduce from there. Um, you know, the beauty side is, is we've shot so many, we know where the starting point is. And then, so, uh, you know, we're going to grab that particular gun. We're going to put that choke in and we're going to shoot. If it ain't balls like what we think, then what we're going to do is we're going to fluctuate and I'll try, um, like the other day when we were shooting, you know, we knew that gun loved the threes. Let's try twos and BBs out of it just to see what it does out of that particular brand of shells. Let's, you know, let's try, try this, try that. Nope. When you get done, Hey, that guy, you know, that, that gun of yours, it liked the, uh, three inch number three, uh, black cloud. They loved it. So, you know that that's where we go with it so when they get the gun back they know the gun works shooting's kind of on them you know because we do have so many i mean you, if we actually took everybody in and you know tried to fit them uh, we wouldn't get anything what do you done mean, what do you well, give me an idea of how many guns not including benelli sending them for their performance shop how many guns come through rob roberts a year i don't know the exact, i don't know the exact number but it'd be one of those things that our patterning guys will sit there and they can he can actually go down there and shoot guns all day long every day every day yeah so we're talking thousands of guys sending guns in to get services done on this oh yeah so why in in layman's terms what's the difference between a ported and an unported choke tube? Um, okay. Uh, we like non-ported. Uh, we're getting lots of calls. I'm not saying we'll never have ported chokes because we're getting lots of calls for, you know, people still like them. They like the looks of them. Um, I will give you the ups and downs both ways. Um, the reason why I always settled in on non-ported choke was point of impact issues. Uh, with, a, with a non-ported choke, there's no wad stripping advice or a, a a ported choke is a wad stripper. It's not taking out recoil. It's a shotgun. You don't have those kind of velocities, velocities and everything coming out of it. Pressures. It's a shotgun. Uh, it's a wad stripper is what a ported choke does. So what we find is on the ported choke, you're going to go out and shoot it. It's stripping the wad, keeping the, letting your shot get separate from the wad, gives you a good even pattern, and, and goes from there. The non-ported side uh, lets it stay in the wad longer. Okay, as we took and went to the patterning board, we would notice, especially with tight chokes such as turkey and, and really tight shells, when he got tight, the, um, the ported choke point of impact would move around because it is stripping the wad. It is, it is coming, you know, it might be two inches left this time, might be an inch low, might be three inches high right, you know. And that's because it's stripping the wad as it comes out, so the point of impact did allow it to move around some. The non-ported choke give you dead nuts every time. It was it was dead on. And so that's kind of why I always settled in because I wanted my point of impact to be the same over and over and over. Plus, I did like to get the distance out of it. You know, it's, it's staying in that water a little longer. Now, the beauty side to the ported choke is the fact is it is opening up. So if you're shooting um, close targets like a skeet shooter, you know, uh, here was their thing. A skeet shooter shooting everything at 22 yards, so they're going out. They want that wad 
they don't want the wad blowing through their pattern at that close range. So the ported choke worked great, but it's also messy and dirty because it is stripping the wad. Then, then they griped that it was that way. So we always stayed basically non-ported and just went from there. And that's why we usually hold a little bit tighter. Um, and like I said, I, I see it in the future that we probably will have some just because certain customers really do like the ported look. They like the fact that they can grab a hold of it and tighten and blah, blah, blah. So uh, that's not to say what. I always stayed with non-ported just because point of impact, you know where it's going to shoot. It's there all the time. Um, done deal. And that's what I was after. I'm after the accuracy and pattern. And so that that's why that's always been my personal favorite. So when did you come up with the business approach or the initiative to say, you know what, I'm not, were you not happy with what these factory chokes were delivering? Did it, was it something that irritated you when you were shooting a gun one day and you're like, I can get better. I can do better than that with a yeah, choke tube system. Well, or are you a machinist at heart? Do you, do you, you, do you, build these programs in CAD? Are you the one that designs these choke tubes and has all of the ideas for them? No, no. Actually, what it is that I tell people on a lot of times, because most people in the gunsmithing part are machinists. That, that's where they got their background. They come in. I, I did it just kind of like um, uh, Days of Thunder. You know, in the movie Days of Thunder, when, he, when he's at the bar talking and the guy says, uh, you got to tell me what to do. You know, I was the driver. Uh, I knew what needed to be done. I know I know what this benefit does for it. I want it done. Um, you know, he says, Harry, I can't tell you because I don't know what you're talking about. Well, that's kind of sometimes when you turn on the CNC machine. I, I know you can hit the red button to stop somebody from twirling around inside it. <laughs> but uh, but uh, no, it's, it's um, you know, if you got the design, you know what you want. Uh, this all started years ago, and I had a couple of real close friends at the time that I've all been in the gun business and stuff. Uh, we used to shoot a lot together. Um, that's where it started. One of them was a machinist. Uh, the other one was a tool guy that he, he was really good at it and go back and forth. And that, I know that was a hundred years ago. Um, but that's how it got started. Well, you know, it's just one thing we decided we were the best and we were going to be the better shooters. And we were, you know, it's just what you do in the younger days. And so we've been doing it so long. We see what is working, what is not working, and then still have a drive. We've got, um, we had some new products that was already going to be out this year, but we had the, you know, the fire, we basically got knocked in the head for a year. You know, it, it really put us behind a year from where we want to be. So we've got new products that will be coming out, uh, hopefully this year. We're about to get settled back into all the buildings rebuilt. Uh, we've still got one more building to build, but we're, um, hopefully the new products is going to come out and, uh, we, we're going to, some new technology that we're not sharing just yet. Um, hopefully that's, that's what we bring to the table this year. And back to right before you start, I want to touch on the fire a little bit more, but to, to get the ultimate experience with your shotgun, to become a proficient shotgunner, a lot of hunters are, you know, they've got busy lifestyles. We might not have time to go out and shoot sporting clays all year. We might not have time to even get on the range once in the off season, um, consistency and obviously practice and all of that is going to keep you fresh. It's going to keep you aware. It's going to know, but the number one, most important thing that you would tell somebody, and I'm assuming this is pattern your shotgun, get it on paper before you ever go on a hunt. Hands you down. owe it to the bird. You owe it to, you owe it to the, the respect and the resource to get the, you know, the 
exact performance out of that gun that it's supposed to do with the patterning. You would tell them, even if they don't come to you first, you would say, put that on paper, right? I agree hundred percent. What they, uh, you know, it's, we can do whatever we can make this thing be the most baddest of all bads on patterns. But if you can't hit the, you know, it's one of the beauty parts about duck hunting. You can call them, you can do this, you can do that. But if you can't shoot it, it didn't do you any good. Right. And so if you're, if you're that bad, no matter what you do to that gun, if you can't hit anything with it, it's not doing you any good. So, yeah, I would say, you know, send it down, let us shoot it. One thing, um, here's layman's terms at best. If you've got a gun, um, hopefully some, some of these guys will go in and try this out, unload it, take it in your bathroom or kitchen or wherever, anywhere that living room where you've got a big mirror. Um, practice taking your gun up and pointing at yourself into the mirror. What you would want to see is if you pull that gun up, I'm trying to show you, I know nobody can see, but it's if you can pull that gun up and look straight down it, uh, have both eyes closed, just like you're going to point it, shoot yourself in the face in the mirror. Um, open your eye. If your eye's going straight down the rib and straight back to you, that gun fits you perfect. You know, that that's what you want to look for. You want to be able to look right down the rib and see the pupil of your eye. Um, you'll find most people can't do that. That's where that's that's another place. You know, if you're not hitting anything with your gun, go in and try that. Give us a call. Let us kind of walk through some other things. You know, on the phone, we'll try to say, "Hey, try this, try that." Uh, where are you at? Oh, I'm I'm way over here. I'm way over there. Like for instance, I'm basically five uh, eleven. Uh, I'm a mid-sized guy. You know, I'm not, but I got monkey arms. I got real long arms, so I actually have a long length of pull. So it's hard for me if I've got a gun out of the box um, that has a short recoil pad. When I pull this gun up, my eye is basically lined up and down fine, but I'm an inch or two to the right. You know, I'm way over here. Uh, so what I find is I had a longer pad. You know, like I said, with the Benelli's we talked about earlier, they can put a longer pad on it, and that stretches it out, which lines the gun up. When I when I stretch out, it lines the gun up to where now I'm hitting. And that's why I find, like, uh, for instance, your Super Black Eagles to your M2s or whichever other model that you want to come up with, find that model that fits you good. Like the M2, uh, it fits me lights out. I love it. You know, so I, do sh- I. I shoot it extremely well because that gun, that gun fits me. And... Um, uh, I've actually changed some pads out. I, I was taking some of the Benelli pads off, uh, say a Benelli Nova pad, and putting it on my Super Black Eagle 2s and 3s and on my M2s, and, and that was actually, you know, it was more of a straight-line pad. It was lining me up, and I shot the gun better. And there's there's just all kinds of tricks. But basically, if we have you or call, you know, if, if you're having trouble hitting things, call us. See if there's not something that we can turn around and go, try this, try that. And um, and then there's some of those folks that, uh, you know, they're not going to hit each other. You know, <laughs> we, we've had a few of those that you cannot fit them, and, and um, don't be hard-headed about it. Keep an open mind. We'll get a gun to fit you. But Yeah, we uh, haven't even started talking about, you you know, actually getting – a tutorial or getting coached or well-versed in shotgunning. This is making your gun ready to yeah. become a good shotgunner. Yeah. There, there's a lot that goes into still becoming a proficient shooter exactly. and being able to go from target to target, which then again, when you go from one target to the next, it brings in everything that we've just discussed from 
the point of, you know, the point of impact from the recoil, everything that we're talking about, you want to make sure that your point of impact is known to you. If you know where your point of impact is, you're going to have an easier time getting on target and executing and harvesting that animal, dispatching that animal ethically with a lot less cripples. Now we understand that there's always going to be cripples. Sure. It's part of the game. Sure. Now the part about cripples is as soon as that duck's on the water, you shoot it. And you got you learn how to shoot cripples. There's an art and a science to shooting cripples, and a lot of people I've seen a lot of people shoot over. Uh, and it, again, I have too. But becoming well versed in shotgunning starts with having a gun that is ready to become well versed with. And I think that that's what your services is. Is I have I've had a lot of successful duck hunts before I met you or knew about your service. I'm not saying that, right. but after right. it is when I was really like, wow. This is on a different level of performance day in and day out. I can consistently perform well with my shotgun to the point to where people say stuff like, damn, you're on it. You're shooting like triples, doubles all the time. Not that I'm the best there is. I just have confidence because I know that my system that you've built for me in these M220 gauges or these super black Eagle twos and now the threes with the system that you've put into it, which in this is part that you might not want to talk about on a podcast, but it's so affordable. It's not like you're raping the bank to get this done by Rob Roberts. What is, what is this full gamut cost? If I go to a car wash and they say for 69.95, you can get the full money is what's the full money cost. If I send my gun, my, if it's well, a Benelli. The full money is when you show up on the porch and we have two guys grab you by your ankles, flip you up and shake you till all of the money falls out of your pocket. <laughs> but uh, no, it, it does vary. And for me to give you exact price, I really, I really can't because it, it, you know, once you get them on the phone, you can kind of see what that guy wants. You know, not everybody just says, Hey, if they want the full, full deal, they'll buy the performance shop gun. You know, we, we get guys that'll come in and say, you know what? I, I really like that, but I just want mine. Um, I want mine to shoot. I'm, you know, I'll, we'll get a lot of those guys that are strictly hunters that uh, they don't care what it looks like. They don't care whatever. They want the basic, I want to be able to shoot this. And so usually, I mean, we run everything from a couple, two, $300. We've had guys that come in and add bells and whistles to the point where they can they can actually spend twelve, fifteen hundred dollars $1,500 on stuff, you know. But uh, most of the time, it's it's what they're after. We'll have some folks that comes in and goes, you know what? Uh, for right now, I want to do the barrel work and get the right chokes. Uh, I'm going to take your advice on patterning. You know, okay. Well, that, we're going to give you that. Uh, if you want us to do it, we'll do it. If not, we're going to try to get set you in the right direction. Use this, try this, see where you're at. They go out, shoot it for a while, or hunt with it. Season's close. They didn't have time to get it in. Um, do that. Then come in, do a little here, do a little there. So we try to get you any way it goes. And do you find that a lot of your customers take what you say to heart and serious? Like, for example, a dog trainer. Hey, your dog's performing on this food very well. We've had him the last six months. This is what I want you to do as his handler. I want you to understand that his name needs to be said like this. You don't need to do this. And a good coach being coachable is key in life so i go to my dog trainer and he's telling me all this i'm letting it go in one ear and out the other i leave there i start feeding him this i start saying this all of a sudden all that training goes out the window not that everything's not going to be you know done but a lot of the things that that trainer wants you to do is because he understands that dog way better than you do at that point with the training in the boot camp he just went through same with this gun if i come to you and you're telling me here's what you want to do here's where it's patterning here's your point of impact and here's the ammo that this gun loves to 
to eat, I'm going to go, well, he told me to do that. That's a little bit more of an expensive ammo. Rob doesn't make commissions off any of these ammo companies. You're simply telling that end user, that customer, that consumer that, look, if you're going to shoot this gun at Mallard Ducks in the trees of Arkansas, or if you're on the Boise River or on the Snake River in Idaho, and you're shooting them at 35 yards, here's what this gun's loving. Here's the choke pattern. Here's the choke tube it loves. Here's the ammo it loves. And this is the pattern that we're seeing. Here's your, here's the on paper right here, this gun, you find most of your customers are going eating that up and saying, Rob, I'm in. Most of them do. We do run into the guys that, uh, you know, they'll say, well, hey, you did all this work. This gun's not shooting that. It's not doing anywhere close to that. Well, what do you do? Especially turkey size, where they're on the turkey side, they're really, really wanting to know pellets. Um, this one's only getting, what is going on? Well, I shoot this. Now, are you shooting this load that, you know, we told you to shoot through it? No, I'm shooting blah, blah, blah. <laughs> well, okay. You don't take a top fuel dragster out and put ethanol gas in it. If you're going to make this be the hot rod and you're going to put this to where you're going to get it, you really need it. You, you can um, you can go out on a hunt. Uh, just because we did that work don't mean you have to shoot that one exact shell. Okay, that that's not the thing. But don't go buy these shells or don't go buy that one. You know, every shell manufacturer out there has got a good shell, or the majority of them will do. They'll have at least something that shoots good, uh, but they may have a whole lot of bad, you know, that's not consistent. It's it's all over the place. But no, to answer your question, in general, most of them do listen. Most of them go, hey, man, I appreciate it. That's why we sent it there. That's what we want. And then when they got a problem, we find that they have a problem or we're not, you know, where it is. We want to know. If, if there is a problem, we want to know so we can go into it. And so, uh, um yeah, you do need to shoot kind of those things. You know, it, we're not going to try to – we try to keep everybody, when we pattern test their guns, into affordable shot, uh, shot shells. You know, I mean, you don't want uh, – just because this one over here put them in, but this is – you can get five shells for $100. Well, that, I don't want to duck hunt with that either. <laughs> I want I want to be able to afford to go duck hunt again tomorrow. And so uh, we try to use uh, that kind of – Find something with consistency that your gun likes and go from there. Uh, After all the services that we just went through, you built me a gun two years ago that was my spring conservation snow goose gun. Extended magazine. Um, is there anything different that happens on that gun with the services we just talked about to make a Benelli, which is a, the most dependable gun, in my opinion, ever built? To Now you're shooting nine. In, you got one in the chamber and nine in the magazine. It's legal in the spring. You don't there's no there's no capacity limit. Some of these guys' magazines are sticking out longer than their barrel. Yeah. But are you doing anything different to that gun, knowing that the, how much firepower is going to be delivered out of that gun on any given day? Sometimes you're shooting three, 400 times a day. So is there anything different that we did not go over that would go into a gun that's going to perform like that on a hunt? No, actually, I think on that particular gun, I'm not positive. Did we? It seems like we cut the port out of it yep. a little bit, just like you would do on a three gun. Yep. And I didn't, and that was more of an experimental thing to see how that works in the field. You know, on three gun, it works good because they're quad loading and everything like that. It just makes it so much faster. But uh, I remember when we did that to make sure to see if um, if you were hanging more you know, rice stubble or mud or dirt or anything. It was what I was worried about. That was about the only different. Other than that, everything. Meanwhile, in layman's terms, though, you just made it e easier to fast load. Yeah, you, you made it easier. So nothing's you're actually, getting hung up. Well, nothing, nothing. There's that's enough. that's what we want to see. Because at that point, your, uh, your 
carriers actually, where you put your shells into the magazine, your carrier actually is sticking. It's more apt to catch on something now because we're cutting away part of the port. You know, uh, we kind of did a little extra on that, like a three gun shooting gun. Yeah. But in it reality, it is the baddest ass shooting gun. Though. We, but we do. We have taken uh, several of those where we didn't cut away the port. Everything else the same. Yes. Same. Just, uh, yeah, you just add same. the extended magazine. That's right. You don't manufacture those, right? Or do you build no, them now? No, we don't do the magazine. So stuff. we went over. We you you take care of the forcing cone. You have the choke tube system. You have the most scientific researched patterning system I've ever seen. It's so awesome. It looks easy, but I understand the work that went into it. You're one of the only gunsmiths in the entire world that has this patterning system. I think that I've heard numbers of there's six built and you own three of them. I think, I don't know, but the system is awesome. The room for air after this service is done is minuscule. Not saying that anything can't go wrong. I'm just saying that through this service, I have learned that you can go to a Ford dealership and buy a Ford truck and you can drive it for 300,000 miles with a diesel motor in it and it's going to perform and it's going to be an awesome truck. But to get maximum performance out of that, there's things that can be done to the exhaust. There's things that can be done to the transmission. There's lift kits, there's tires, there's wheels, there's bumpers, there's there's aftermarket this and that to protect you. I go to North Dakota, I'm going down I-90. If I hit a deer with, no fa- with a factory bumper on there, I'm probably going to see devastation, safety, security of the passengers. The front end of the truck's going to be jacked up with the bumpers that we have through bodyguard the deer's he's he doesn't stand a chance which is good because he's not suffering if that happens to happen but more importantly the people in the car are safe right so there's a lot of things that go in to to these aftermarket things and the rob roberts service is aftermarket you're not building a gun to compete with benelli you're saying that there's things that can be done to make sure that that gun is performing ultimately now that's not saying rob roberts is not saying or anybody on his crew is saying when you get that gun out of the box from italy it's not a badass gun it truly is but with this service i have seen such a difference of like man i cannot believe that how good of a shotgunner I am not in a cockier way or egotistical way. It just makes me a better gunner. It makes me a better hunter and it makes me a better conservationist. And that's the, just the bottom line is that this service, if somebody takes anything out of this podcast, look into it and educate yourself on what's being done to that gun. Listen to Rob's words in this podcast <clears throat> because I've seen it night and day and I'll, I'll be straight up. You don't pay me a dime to say this. We have a very strong relationship and partnership, but I am, I believe in this product because because of what it does to my hunt and the performance of the guns. And we abuse our guns. They're hunting every day. So I think that it's a service that needs to be researched and looked at. You've nowhere near said that you're the best at it. I'm saying that this service in Arkansas, Rob Roberts Custom Gun Works, at least do yourself a favor and research what we're talking about, what we discussed today, the topics and the touch points, because it truly will make you a better shotgunner. There's a lot to be said with the little things that we went over today there's a whole bunch of more extensive research that rob and his crew have done but i don't think rob that you need to go to a customer and say here's everything that we've learned in our life all you got to say is here's your gun before and here it is after and give them an understanding of what they are because all it's going to do is make them a better gunner and give them confidence for years to come right that's 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 it and i appreciate the good words on that and you're exactly right uh the the gun out of the box it will work Go in. It's not. We uh, Americanize it, if you would. Uh, you know, we like bells and whistles and hot rods, and and uh, we do, and we do some things. We take some things that they can't afford the liability for that we can do. You know, it's it's uh, you know that's that's kind of the key right there. 
is we can take it and do something that their hands are tied they they're not allowed to do that in europe or whatever and and we can so and it's affordable you guys if you're in the nashville area come to the nwtf the national wild turkey confederation convention at opryland gaylord opryland center every february this year it's the weekend of february 15 2020 go to the rob roberts booth meet rob meet his wife meet his crew educate yourself in what's going on with these guns we do work with Benelli. They've been our title sponsor for eight seasons and they, they always will be. We believe in them and Rob does too, but he works on all guns. He believes in a lot of gun manufacturers and there's a lot of other good gun manufacturers out there. Rob does not just work on shotguns, rifles, pistols. There's a lot of things that he can do. He works with high vis on a lot of his different optics. He does a lot of different services and he's got a lot of cool part patented products that he provides through his shop in Arkansas. So check him out, Rob. What's the website? Uh, it's just under robrobertsgunworks.com. Robrobertsgunworks.com on Instagram. Rob Roberts Custom Gunworks, or is it just Rob Roberts Gunworks? Look him up. Just follow gunworks. him. Look at what they're doing. Watch the foul life on the Outdoor Channel. See how our guns perform. Look at the choke tube system. What do you want to shoot? T1, T2, T3 at waterfowl at upland then if you're a turkey hunter go look at his constrictions and what he does for turkey guns and turkey chokes there is a reason why george thompson and the crew at benelli depend on rob to build their performance shotguns and put and have the 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 valor to put them on their website for sale under the benelli name and he's building them out for them in both waterfowl and turkey models i'm talking unbelievable research goes into his turkey guns and the performance is second to none i've seen it with 20 gauges i've seen it with 12 gauges i've seen it with four tens there's a lot of good ammo out there rob's at the forefront of studying that ammo and how it's going to perform and pattern out of his choke tube systems but all for upland waterfowl and turkey hunting home defense talk to rob call him personally find out what you're looking for and let him take it from there and educate you on their trust and trust in these guys we do and we wouldn't have it in any other way i know that there's a lot that's gone on in the last year rob but one thing's rest assured in my opinion everything in life happens for a reason this fire the devastation that occurred on your property everything is going to bring back a bigger and better process a bigger and better service a bigger and better portfolio for you and your crew to where now you're going to have that shop that you you know sometimes hard-headed people like yourself they have to go through something like this to actually get what they were trying to get because you're so hard-headed you're like no we can do it out of this but now when i was on the property the other day i'm like holy shit this place is unbelievable and it's not even done yet so i can't wait to see the finished product what you guys do for our guns is unbelievable we truly rely on them. everybody that we shoot with has rob roberts in some sense of the word. I truly think the patterning is scientifically second to none, the research that you've done. So I don't know if there's anything that you want to conclude with, but shoot Rob Roberts, get your gun done, get the Cerakote done, let that gun last forever. You are paying hard-earned money on that gun. Don't cut corners. You spend so much money on your dog, your boat, your boat motor, your UTV, your ATV, your ammo is $25 box minimum if you're shooting the right stuff. Your trucks are, I mean, there's trucks, $100,000, $105,000. Don't sell yourself short on your shotgun and the performance of that shotgun. We as duck hunters, as waterfowlers, we don't cut corners. We are gear nerds. Check out robrobertsgunworks.com. Rob, you are a true genius when it comes to guns. Thank you so much for being our partner. Is there anything that you want to end with? No, I just thank you very much for all the good words. I mean, that's... uh 
really, really appreciate it, and and uh, hope that we can continue doing this for another oh, 50, yeah. 60 years. Yes, sir. I will see you in Vegas next month at SHOT Show. I will see you in Nashville. No, this month at SHOT Show, next month in Nashville at the NWTF. You and your wife might come to our party, but I know you got your kids and grandkids there. Rob Roberts gunworks.com on instagram at rob roberts gunworks please check out his choke tube system look at all of the services that he offers i appreciate it thank you so much of your support of the foul life brand new episodes right now exclusively on the outdoor channel you can find our brand new merchandise and apparel at the check out all of our new duck calls the loudmouth, the small talk and the icebreaker soon to be a new design coming out very soon at jargongamecalls.com and please remember to subscribe to these podcasts leave us a rating and review and please check out our sister podcast this life ain't for everybody with lots of great guests and all different walks of life coming to you on this life faint for everybody i'm chad belding for rob roberts tom rashishin do me a favor hit that button this is 2 a.m logic with the huge master hit of the foul life song written by yours truly you can find it right now for 99 cents we get three cents of that every time you buy one at itunes thank you all very much yeah.